And if you're going to stay with us, you can open to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, please. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And I uh, also asked you to get Acts chapter 7, two places. 1 Corinthians 14 and Acts chapter 7. And as I've been mentioning, today is slightly a, a left turn for us. We're, we're going to do something we've never done before. This is a membership class, and we are going to go through the nuts and bolts of church membership. I want to show you from the Bible why we do it and explain the how we do it, right? Why and, and the how. And for many of you, you've already signed up as members, and then maybe this is all review for you. And then for some of you, I know that you've recently submitted a membership registration, and this is kind of an orientation for you to let you know what to expect. 1 Corinthians 14 and verse number 40, Paul in this chapter is discussing how a church should operate when they meet for public gatherings. There's a lot in the chapter. I'm just going to draw your attention to verse 40. Let all things be done decently and in order. So what we're doing by using or having church membership is organizing. That's what we're doing. We're trying to do things decent and in order. In Acts chapter 7, just flip over to that. Acts 7 and verse number 38. And this is where Stephen is preaching to the Sanhedrin. And notice he's giving a brief history of, of Israel a condensed history of it. And he says, this is he, verse 38, that was in the church in the wilderness with the angel which spake to him in the Mount Sinai. Now he's talking about Moses, right? But he says he was in the church in the wilderness. Now if you've read your Old Testament much, you know that when they came out of Egypt, God organized Israel. And I'll tell you a little bit more about that organization later. But that was an organized effort. Moses didn't raise the rod and say, everybody, let's just head on up to the promised land any which way you want. And the larger the group, the more organization you need. So because in the book of Acts, that group of Israelites is referred to as a church, it's a called out assembly. They were called out of Egypt. We are a called out assembly. We're called out of the world to be separate and sanctified from the world. We need an organized effort moving forward. Now at the beginning of any church, when you, because our church was started from scratch, we didn't take this over from some other existing church. We started grace, or, um, at the uh, bottom level. And it, it was by grace, let me say that. <laughs> but, but at the bottom level. We didn't need much organization in the beginning. When you have 13 people coming, there you are. I mean, there's not much to organize. But then as something grows, you've got to be on top of that. And we, by the grace of God, want to see the church continue to grow. So we want to be organized. Now, for this first part, let me give you just a quick rundown the history of our church. Because if you're desiring to join, it might be nice to know where we've, where we've come from and um, give you a bit of the history. So this starts with a tad bit of my history. I got saved in 1996. I went to Bible school, 1997, at a place called Pensacola Bible Institute. You're welcome to look that up if you'd like. Dr. Ruckman, Peter Ruckman, was my instructor there. I graduated in the year 2000, and a week later, I got on a plane for the very first time in my life, and I came to Africa. Uh, we, I had a three-week survey trip in Malawi, and then two years later, my family and I moved to Malawi. So in 2002, we started off as missionaries there. 
So from 2002 to 2011, we lived in Malawi. And the short version of the story is this. We now have 15 churches that are opened and operated that side. We have a Bible Institute. I started back while we were there. It is still in operation. And everything that side is being overseen by trained Malawian nationals. None of them are supported by my mission board. They are all locally supported. Their own congregations pay them. And almost all of these pastors work jobs as well to supplement their income. From time to time, we do help out if they have a big project and things like that. So we are still involved. We send them books, tracts, Bibles. Uh, We try to make trips as often as we can to visit. But that's the Malawian side of it. So just so you know where I've come from, in 2012, my family and I moved here and obviously been in Pachastrum ever since. This church started in the Potch Riding Club for the horses out there by Paws. It used to be the SPCA. Uh, Some of you have been with us since that time, a handful of you. So you remember those early days in the horse riding club. From time to time, we actually had horses visit the church. I mean, during the service, a horse would stick its head in the church. That was great. (laughs) That was always great. Right? Preach the gospel to every creature. We, we, we don't discriminate. <laughs> we even take the horses. Um, within even a year, we outgrew the, the riding club, and we moved over to the Roots Lifestyle Center. We rented one of the conference rooms. We outgrew the conference room. The Roots had just built a chapel, so we moved into the chapel, and then we outgrew the chapel as well. So it's been at least six years now, I think, we've been in this current location. And uh, before COVID, we were starting to get rather full in in here as well. Uh, Even now, I don't know if you've realized it because we've changed the seating arrangement a little bit, right? We were only putting out 100 chairs due to COVID regulations, but as that has changed, more chairs have come out, but we're starting to fill those as well. So the the size is starting to, to grow a bit as well now. But you probably are aware we have a new piece of land and a new plot that we're moving to. By the grace of God, we'll start building very soon and have our permanent place for Bible Baptist Potch here in the near future. Some of the ministries that we have started since we've come here, we do have a Bible Institute. We call it Pachastrum Bible Institute. Now, I went to Pensacola Bible Institute. for The acronym is PBI. So here we also have our PBI. It's our version of it, right? But it's Pachastrum Bible Institute. It is a four-year program. If any of you would like to know more about that, you can ask me later. There are other ministries that God has opened the door for. Uh, We had, I'm going to call it a church in Henenmon. It has since struggled. COVID really made it difficult. There wasn't a full-time pastor there. But for a while, there was a group meeting in Hennemann. Uh I used to go to Dundee about four or five times a year and preach that side. We've been taking mission trips to India. We did that several times. And again, COVID has slowed all that down. But Lord willing, that door is going to open back up soon. I already have the invitation. It's just a matter of working out the details. So if any of you would like to visit India, please let me know. Let Botma know. He's the one who organizes that trip. The Malawian trips, we used to take trips that side every year, and by the grace of God, we'll start that again. We trained one Zimbabwean named Agrippa. He has been in, in, in Zimbabwe now, what, four or five years? 
since he graduated, and, and he's trying to get a church started that side. And then, of course, I'm not going to mention their names, but we have a young couple in our church that is in a closed country doing mission work. Now, I'm saying all that just so that you have an idea of what our church is involved in, all right? So that's a bit of the history and what we're busy with. I also want to make some introductions in case you don't know these people. I know for most of you, this is review, right? You already know it, but for people that are rather new, Francois Devette, he is our deacon. Um, this is just my personal opinion, but I think there's a, a bit of fact in it as well. Probably the best deacon on the planet. He's, he's been an outstanding blessing. Uh, Garrett Saronio, he is our youth leader. And as the youth leader, he organizes everything that has to do with the youth. But we recently started something called the Youth Bible Club. You might hear us say YBC. And Christina, my wife, and Sila Buata help him with the YBC. Um, and then Armand Thesa, he is our song leader, as many of you know, and also our student leader. He organizes events for them. Now, I'm, I'm going to use a couple of terms here. Forgive me for the semantics. This is the best I can do for, for the terms. These men are assistants to the pastor. Now, I'm making a distinction between that and assistant pastors. Okay, and here's what I mean by those two terms. An assistant pastor is somebody who has been called by God to fulfill that role specifically. So they are going to take on all the duties, <clears throat> responsibilities, and expectations of a pastor, but they, he is assisting the head pastor. Now that is different from somebody who, as much as his schedule allows, as much as his gifts and abilities allow, he helps out, volunteers, steps in, and does things that the church needs and that the pastor needs. The one is called by God to do that more on a permanent basis, and the other guys are just saying, listen, however I can help, I will. Our church is a bit unique in that I am a missionary, right? I'm busy trying to organize things in Malawi. I'm still, I still have a hand in that. I want to see more churches started in South Africa. That's one of the purposes of our Bible Institute. And from time to time, I will have to go back to America and report to those churches. There are not too many local churches where the pastor has to leave for four or five months at a time. So just recently, right, I was here for 10 years without a furlough. And I kind of got in trouble for that with a lot of the American churches because I'm not supposed to wait that long. But things were going well this side, so I, I, just, I didn't want to step away, to be honest. But then I, I needed to. And these three men that I've just mentioned, they stepped up in a tremendous way. Tremendous way. And I mean this in, in, in two ways, actually. As individuals, they all exceeded my expectations. They did a wonderful job as individuals, but then also as a group. They came together, those three guys, and coordinated their efforts, and I honestly was just blown away at, at how good that went. So gentlemen, thank you. This is my opportunity to publicly thank you for that. I, I have privately, but you guys did a great job. All right, so other people that you might want to be aware of in the church here. Janae Thesa, she is our secretary. My wife, Christina, and Tani Pietru Bond, they are Sunday school teachers. Uh, Sila Buata is going to help us with our choir moving forward. Now let me just say a quick word about that. Armand is the schedule guy. If you want to know when can I sing, when can I sing in the church, you see Armand. He's going to handle the schedule. If you want to know how do I sing in the church, don't ask Armand. 
And I'm, I mean that in the nice way. He's, he's got a nice voice, but Sila is the one who's properly trained. She's, gonna, uh, she's already volunteered, so I, I'm giving her the title of choir director, if that's, again, semantics, guys. Call it what you'd like, but she's going to help us with that. Gustav and Lineke Portkiter, they uh, take care of the Be Warmed and Filled ministry, and uh, it's about time we get another one of those going. It's nice and cold these days, so it'd be a good time to hand out some soup and blankets and things like that. Uh, Michael Buata handles the bus ministry. And then uh, Pietru Devet, she handles the first responders. Now, Janae also has quite a hand in that. But if you have questions about any of those particular ministries or activities, you can see those people. Now, something that we haven't really put much emphasis on in the past, but I'm going to make it clear now, a mission statement for our church. So we've talked about our history, what we're involved in. What about a mission statement? What is our church about? Every church on the planet should have the Great Commission as their mission statement. Okay, Are we all familiar with the Great Commission? Matthew 28, go ye therefore, right? Teach all nations, baptizing them, that The idea of preaching the gospel, making disciples, baptizing, that every local church should be doing that. So I'm not replacing that statement. That is our mission statement. But I also have seen this, and I believe this is true all over the world. God uses specific local churches. He brings people into that congregation to fulfill a unique purpose I want to say not beyond, but maybe on top of the Great Commission. So sometimes you'll see a church, <clears throat> and they, they're making disciples. They function as a church, but then they focus on Christian education, right? They, they have a Christian school for kids, and that's kind of their main focus, right? That, that's the unique thing that they do. Some churches, they focus on the poor. They'll have like a, a, their, um, a rescue mission and they'll bring the people that are down on their luck and maybe struggling with drug addiction and alcohol addiction and they'll focus on helping them. All of those things are fine. I'm not, please don't think that one's above the other. That's just what they're uniquely outfitted to do. So here's our mission statement. We exist to biblically prepare people to serve God at every level. I know that might sound a bit mundane, but let me tell you why I think that's specific. We put a heavy emphasis on training people with the Bible. You say, well, every church should do that. Yes, they should, but but we want to take that a step further because we do not want to simply feed you so that our church stays healthy. We want that, but we want to train people to function in their homes, to function in their workplaces, to function in our church, but then also to train people to go out and start other churches in South Africa and in foreign countries. So that's where we go that extra step. We're going to put a heavy emphasis on that. It's not to say we ignore those other things. We are involved in helping the poor. We're all for Christian education, understand, but that's our emphasis. In this church, we do, and we will continue to, be a pillar and ground for the truth. First Timothy 3, we want to lift up the truth, and Jesus said, sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. So we want to keep putting emphasis on that. God said, and let me say, David wrote this in Psalm 138. He talked about the word of God being magnified above all of God's name. Now that, that's a big statement. He says, you've magnified your word above your name. So we want to make God's word as available to you as possible 
to prepare you for those things within our circle, within our church, and then beyond. In Deuteronomy chapter 32, God gave the law to Moses. You know that. But then he, some, something very special he said. He says, these words that I've given you, we now have them in the Bible, right? He says, these words, this book, it is your life. It is your life. Now, again, I, every church should believe that. But we want to put a special emphasis on that. We want to learn it so that we can give it out to others in that worldwide way. We believe in our church that the Bible says what it means and means what it says. Just, I'm telling you now, this is we're stepping away from our mission statement, but our approach to the Bible, we believe that it means just what it says. You do not need me to privately interpret it and say, no, no, it, mean, it says this, but it means something different. You can read it for yourself. And, uh, and you can see, you can judge anything I say from the pulpit. The Bible is the final authority for us in all matters of faith and practice. And I, let me be clear on something. We speak English in this church. Well, at least I do. <laughs> we, we use the King James Version, the old King James Version of the Bible, and this is why we use it. The Bible says the words of the Lord are pure words. As silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times, thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. We believe that God gave the Bible by inspiration and has preserved it through divine means from the time that he gave it until this present day. We believe that the pure words of God are still with us now. Now, in in just a few weeks, I'll be teaching a class in, in our Bible school about manuscript evidence. We'll get into all the nuts and bolts of this. I'm making a simple statement now. We believe that the King James Version provides for us the pure words of God in English. And that's the reason we use it. That's the reason we believe it, trust it, and turn to it as our final authority for English-speaking people. You understand? I'm not trying to make statements about other languages now. That's a whole other conversation. But for English, I find no mistakes in this book. And that's why we use it and depend on it. Now, take your Bible, turn to 1 Timothy chapter 5. Right, you guys be careful, the fowls of the air are coming. First <laughs> Timothy 5 and verse 9. Alright, now we put a heavy emphasis on Scripture. We, we want to be able to say this is, why, this is what we believe, this is what we practice, and here's why, and then show you from the Bible. Now watch this next step. What's the verse for church membership? There's no verse that says you have to have church membership. Now that might seem like, well, didn't you just then contradict yourself? We want to be by the book on everything, but now we have church membership and that's not in the book. There is no verse that says you must have church membership and here are the requirements to be a member. There's no verse like that. I admit that. However, did you know there are no verses in the Bible about you driving your car to church? But you did. <laughs> There are no verses in the Bible that says you can have a cell phone. But probably all of you do. Now don't get quiet on me. That, that's true, right? You could say amen to that. that I'm, I'm not getting tricky. I'm not trying to trick you into anything. I'm just making a statement that many, many times in life we do things that are not clearly spelled out in the Bible, but they make sense to do. 
Now, when it comes to church membership, there are plenty of verses and principles in the Bible that point us towards church membership. And I mean, none of these verses directly say, thou shalt have church membership, but there are some verses that strongly indicate the idea of a church organizing their efforts through membership is a good step to take. Now, I've already shown you one, let all things be done decently and in order. You see, that's kind of an umbrella statement. All right, Moses, I gave you the verse about Acts 7. Remember the church in the wilderness? Let me ask you this. Did they have membership? Yeah, they did actually. You had to be circumcised. Men. Not here, don't worry. That, that's not one of our requirements. But it was for them. If you weren't circumcised, you couldn't be part of the congregation. Right? And if you were unclean for various reasons, you had to be put out. You could be cut off from your people. So they did have membership. They had 613 laws. That's a lot of regulations for membership, right? Um, God, at one point in the book of Numbers, he told those Levites, go out and start counting. And there were men taking a census. They got the names and the number of how many people were in each tribe. Do you guys remember that? It's the book of Numbers, chapters 1 through 9. From the tribe of Dan's, this many people over the age of 20, they'll go out to war, and they listed it out. Not just the total congregation, but then those that go to war, those that sing in the choir, those that do the sacrifices. Every group was counted. They were organized. They were numbered. How do you like this one? God said, when it's time to march through the wilderness, the pillar of cloud by day, the pillar of fire by night. Remember, when that moved, we move. Organized. We don't just get up and go when we feel like it. Organized. God moves, we move. And when we move, tribes number one, two, and three, you move first. Pick up your tents, march. And then four, five, six, go. Then the Levites with the tabernacle, go. And then the next tribes, go. They had a seating chart. When you get to the new spot, these, tree, these three tribes are going to be on the north. And then these on the south, these on the west, and on the east you have the Levites, and in the center is the tabernacle. They had a seating chart. <clears throat> I think that would be interesting to try that. <laughs> There'd be all sorts of you that would see the church from a different angle. <laughs> right? Some of you'd see it from right up here in the front. Just, it'd be fun just to switch it around one Sunday. <clears throat> I'm not against you sitting where you're at. Please, please understand. I just think it'd be interesting, that's all. All right, so yes, we do not have a verse that says church membership, but we have some verses that come very close, and there's no verse, <clears throat> sorry, there's no verse in the Bible that says don't have membership. See? People say, well, where's the verse that says you got to do it? Where's the verse that says don't do it? Where's the verse that says it's a bad idea? Because all the scriptures that I can think of would point to that being a good idea. 1 Timothy 5, verse 9. Now, we're talking about widows. However, Watch what we indirectly learn here. Let not a widow be taken into the number under three, uh, three score years old, having been the wife of one man. Now he's talking about what kind of widows should the church support financially. There's a lot of details here, but one thing you want to see in verse 9, into the number. Into the number. You've got to keep track of it. Some... If he says into the number, that means there's a list and Tani so-and-so, Tani so-and-so, Tani so-and-so, and she gets put on the list. You got to keep track. You got to have some numbers. You got to have a register. 
Guys, when we go into the new building, we're going to have to buy chairs. You, you do want chairs, right? Do we need to vote on that? All in favor of having chairs? Aye, good, okay, on we go. Now, who's going to pay for it? Now, right away, uh, 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 <laughs> we, we all just do this, the, the person over here. <laughs> who's going to pay for it? You say, well, the, 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 the church. Yeah, okay, but who? Are we going to, everybody just buy a chair? Or, or should we, like, bring a receipt? Do some get a coupon? Should we, who's responsible for going around getting quotes for good chairs? And what kind of chairs? Do you want these chairs? you want new chairs? you want padded chairs? you want plastic chairs? Somebody's got to make these decisions. That means we got to get organized, and we got to have somebody in charge of that. you got to have organization. If you don't, it becomes chaos, absolute chaos. So there's a number that's mentioned here in this pastoral epistle. Paul, I think, is talking about, Timothy, you need to be organized. You need to be organized. Now, you say, well, then uh, look at 1 Timothy 3. Then who gets to decide what the regulations are? When we don't have a clear verse that says these are the requirements for church membership, and if a church member does X, Y, Z, then they're going to get this sort of discipline. And when we go to buy chairs, so-and-so's going to... Who makes these decisions? Because there isn't a verse in the Bible about buying chairs for the church. Right? There are some things in Scripture that you don't have a verse for. Dads, in your home, is it right to lie? Do you allow lying in your home? No. We have one dad that doesn't allow it. The other dad's... Get on board here, guys. Happy Father's Day. <laughs> Hello. It's not that hard. You don't allow lying. There's no killing at home, right? Okay, just a, just a little. Just a little. When they are annoying, yes. <laughs> no killing. Now, there are some verses, right? That's black and white. Don't lie. The Bible says don't do that. The Bible, says, the Bible says honor father and mother. The Bible says the husband should treat the wife. There are verses for many things in your home. But there are some things that are not covered in Scripture. What do we eat for dinner? Have you ever had that blessed conversation at home? You can talk about that for 30 minutes. What do you want tonight? I don't know. What do you want tonight? I don't know. You decide. I don't want to decide. I decided last time. Come on, let's just make... You end up, you end up in marriage counseling because you don't know what to eat for dinner. <laughs> Sometimes, sometimes the person in charge, dads, you need to just say, this is what we're doing. And the people under you need to say, okay, we're with you. Now, if they make a choice that is contradictory to Scripture, you're under no obligation to follow it. If I'm asking you as a pastor, join the church, and in order to join the church, you have to do X, Y, Z sinful things. Don't follow that. But if I'm not asking you to do something sinful, then, if you want to be a member of the church, you would obey them that have the rule over you. Right? 1 Timothy 3, verse 4. Here are the requirements for a, the head pastor of the church, the bishop. One that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Do you see the correlation? Just like a, a husband or a father in this case would run his house, the pastor needs to oversee the church. So how are, who's going to make some of these decisions? Me. So when we put these regulations and requirements together, I did get advice. I didn't just arbitrarily make it up. 
I prayerfully and thoughtfully put it together, but this is what we're going with, and these are the verses that I believe show where the authority is to make these decisions. All right, so the requirements to join. I'm going to ask, does everybody have this paper? We do not. Okay. Then, Zintle, can you help me out, please, brother? I'm not quite sure why they're all up here, but just hand those out to everybody. Uh, there we go. We got a couple guys to help us. All right, so those are coming to you now. And some of these are quite obvious, all right? So I'm going to start as the papers are coming because I don't think you're going to miss anything by me just making a couple of statements here. I want to walk you through what, it, what is required for you to join the church. And then we'll talk about some of the opportunities you have once you join the church. How can you be involved? All right, maybe as you're getting these papers as well, let me also say this membership class, this is the only time that we will do this in Sunday school. From here on out, we're going to have this membership class only for those people that are desiring to join, and we'll do it on, in a much smaller, informal way. So if you have questions, right? If we're in a small group, it's easy to ask questions as we go. If you guys have any questions about this, after the lesson, please feel free to come and ask because I, I, there's no way we can cover everything in just uh, you know, a few minutes here, but we'd be happy to answer your questions. All right, requirements for membership. We want you to understand these things clearly before you join. We don't want uh, six months, six years, 30 years down the line, go, man, I didn't know that about the church. Number one, you need to have a biblically sound testimony of salvation. Now, if you're not sure what that means, come see me afterwards. Number two, complete at least the basic portion of the discipleship lessons. We have an advanced portion as well, the basic lessons one to 10. We have six advanced lessons. Um, we, We ask that you complete at least the basic. This way, you know what our church believes and what we practice. I wouldn't want you to join if you haven't gone through that. And might I say, I would very much like it, I'm going to say require it, that you come in person to those lessons. However, we do recognize that there are situations that would not allow somebody to physically be in the room while we teach it. So we do have other means of getting the discipleship to you. We can personally come to your house. We don't mind doing that like on a private thing. It doesn't have to be in a group setting. Um, You can listen to recordings, but we would very much like for you to be there. There's reasons for that. It's not just so that you're there, but to be a part of what we're doing and why we do it. Number three, be scripturally baptized. You guys would probably refer to this as chrutduop, but scripturally baptized goes one step beyond that. You need to be saved first, then baptized as a believer Right? You don't have to be a chruet persuad. You understand? You can be a child. We've baptized 10-year-olds. Most recently, right? Tuso got baptized. He was 10. But he was saved. He had a clear testimony of salvation. But that you get saved, and then after that, you get baptized. Number four, faithful attendance of church services, accepting hindrances beyond one's control. So to join, here's what we require for faithful attendance. One must attend regularly for three months. Now, this gives you time to get used to us, and it gives us time to get used to you. <laughs> Maybe we don't want you. <laughs> no, but I'm serious. 
No, no, I am. Because in three months' time, we might find out, Yule, this person's not saved, right? And, and, and listen, if that's the case, it's not like we're going to point to the door and get out. We want to help you and minister to you, but not as a church member, right? We just need to take some more steps before we get you there, all right? And then secondly, a member is expected to faithfully attend weekly services. Now here I'm very tempted to camp out a while. I won't because I recently taught on this in this uh, Bible study hour just a few weeks ago. If you want to go back and get that on YouTube, it was one of the tricky topics, church attendance. Guys, faithfully attending, bare minimum, the main service. Bare minimum. But... As your pastor, I would strongly recommend doing more than just the least you can do. All right, we, we, we have the Bible study hour. We have the main service. Sunday nights, it is a Bible school hour, but anybody can come. Be a part of that. Midweek services, guys, Thursday nights are awesome. They really are. You want to be a part of all of these things. Don't leave these blessings that God has prepared for you just laying on the ground. Gather that daily manna, you know, gathered up before it breeds worms. Uh, but we expect you to faithfully attend. Now, number five, support the fundamental beliefs and practices of the church. I've carefully worded this. Support them. Support them. You say, well, I don't believe everything that you say in the pulpit. Okay, I, I'm, I'm not going to police your conscience. If you do not agree with every single thing we teach, two things I want to say about that. Number one, if you don't agree with the fundamental things we have in this church, like salvation by faith and scriptural baptism, you know, believe, if you don't believe some of those more important things, you probably want to find a church that you can agree on or agree with, right? You want to be able to support those things with a clear conscience. But if there are some things you don't agree with, we still, if you're going to be a member, we expect you to support those things, even if that means staying quiet, right? We don't want you causing division, running around going, hey, I know pastor said that, but look at all this evidence that I have against it, right? If you, have, if you want to have that conversation, come to me privately and say, pastor, I'm a bit confused on this. I heard you say this. I believe it otherwise. I'm open to that. I don't, mind. I don't find that threatening or anything. Now, if you start trying to draw away disciples after yourselves, I will consider you a wolf amongst my sheep, and as the shepherd, I'll come with my rod and my staff. <laughs> Amen. So support it, and not just beliefs, but practices. We believe in public t uh, uh, witnessing. We believe in missions. We, we believe in practicing our faith in those ways, in outreach. So if you don't agree with that, again, you can support it by not uh, voicing an opinion against it. But we, if you're going to be here, we'd very much like for you to be in agreement and then be involved in those ministries. Number six, accept any discipline that comes from ongoing and purposeful scripturally condemned behavior, which includes suspension. Right? You might be suspended if you're absent for a month. So four weeks in a row, you're not here. Then we're going to, next to your name on the church roll, put suspended. And in, if, in the case of ongoing sinful behavior, uh, along with membership suspension, we will approach you for counseling. See, again, it's not just show you the door. We want to help. We want to help. Now, I, let me work through this quickly because we're running short of time. Suspension may be lifted if regular attendance resumes. And again, that, that would mean you start coming back to church for a month faithfully. And then the second thing, the sinful behavior has been dealt with and the, uh, the member has proven him or herself to be clear in the matter. Right? The next thing, termination. 
So not just suspension, but complete, you're off the roll. Irregular attendance over a span of six months. We don't see you in that long. We just assume that you've moved on, whether to another church or out of town or something. Or sinful behavior continues after the point of counseling. So we've reached out, we've tried to help, but you do not appear interested in overcoming that sin. Then we have no choice. It's not our first option, but we cannot allow that to continue to go on in the church. We can't condone it. Scripture commands us to put that person out. And then reinstatement. Fowls of the air coming back. Eh? Jesus warned us of them. <laughs> reinstatement may occur if the initial attendance requirements are again met and the sinful behavior has been dealt with and the member's proven him or herself to be clear for at least three months. So where, where do you get six months? Where do you get three months? Is that a verse in the Bible? No. Dad made a decision. He just put his foot down and said, listen, we got to go with something. That's what we're going with. Now, you might, uh, number seven, this is the tough one. This is the big one. Complete the registration form. <laughs> Sign your name. That's it. That's, it's not the big one. Some of you were worried. It's, it's really not hard. That's all you'd have to do. Now, you might ask this question, what's the big deal about being a member? I can come to church. I can participate in the uh, in the events, in ministries, without signing that piece of paper. So what's the big deal about being a member? So what if you suspend me? I'm not going to put you in the newspaper and go, so-and-so is suspended from Bible baptism, <laughs> right? So what's the big deal? There's a difference in our mind, I say our as a church, between a member and a permanent attendee. You understand? You might permanently attend and not be a member. You can come every Saturday. You can do everything we do as a church and not be a member. What's the difference? Why be a member? Well, 1 Timothy 5 and verse number 8, if you want to look at it. If any provide not for his own, especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. The Bible says take care of those at home first, especially for those of his own house. You see that? Take care of your relatives, especially for those living under your roof. If you join the church as a member, you're under our roof. So the resources we have as a church, we are first going to take care of our own. Galatians chapter 6 says, if you have opportunity to do good, do good unto all men, especially to those of the household of faith. So we, we're just making some boundaries for ourselves. I, I, as a pastor, am limited on my time and my resources. If you do not want me to be a pastor to you, you don't sign up. See? And then I know somebody else is going to be your pastor. So when you fall into troubles and tough times and say, what's going on? I need help. I will recommend that you go ask your pastor. See? And the people that want to be a sheep in this sheepfold and want me as their shepherd, they sign up and they say, Pastor, I want you to watch for my soul. And now I know how to divide my time a little better. You see, so it's a time management and a resource type of thing. Now, as a member, guys, these are the bare bones requirements that I've given you here. Can I just say, though, I don't want this to be a clinical thing where you just go through the motions. All right, I've ticked the boxes. Now I'm a member. You know what I really want? I can't put this as a requirement. I can't. But I want you to love your church. I want it to feel like home. I want you to want to be here. I don't want to twist your arm to participate. I don't want to have to chase you down and bug you into coming to all of our services and events, and, but I really would like it. And you know why? Because I think it would do good for your soul. That's why. 
I'm not asking for money from you. It's not like I go bragging about how many people we have coming to events. I know how much it can help you, and that's why I want you to be a part of that. Now, some opportunities that you'll have. To, one last place. I know we're going over time, and that's, that's okay because we need to cover this, but 1 Corinthians 7. And we just have a couple of more things to say. Is This won't take long. I want to talk now about some opportunities that you will have. Now, guys, as a church member, as I've, as I've mentioned, there are requirements this is the base stuff that we ask for. Then there are some things I'd like to see happen. Tithing, we expect our members to tithe. Now, if you stop tithing, we're not going to kick you out of the church. Right? There's, no, there's no punishment for that, but we do expect that. We expect you to participate. We're not going to kick you out if you don't, but we'd like for you to participate in the other events. 1 Corinthians 7, verse 33. He that is married careth for the things that are of the world, how he may please his wife. There is a difference also between a wife and a virgin. The unmarried woman careth for the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and in spirit. But she that is married careth for the things of the world, how she may please her husband. Now, do you see there's the things of the world? and the things of the Lord. You see that? We, we want you to care about the things of God. I've heard people say this, you know, I serve the God of the things, not the things of God. Okay, I, I get it. I understand. You want to do it for the Lord and have your heart in the right place, but God has things that He wants us to be busy about, and we want you to participate in those things. All right, so all of that, here's some of the things you can participate in, some opportunities. I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago. Just by coming to church with a good attitude, you're already ministering to others. Just by doing that. So that's base, base stuff. Um, discipleship classes. Come to those. Come to the Bible school. Y- you guys that work, uh, you know, for, you, you got careers and you got a family, make time. Make time. It'll help. It, it can't hurt you. I promise God won't be angry. <laughs> it can only help. Uh, midweek services. Come on Thursday nights. Come. I know we don't have a lot of space right now. Come anyway. We'll put some of people on the floor. We have. We've been doing that. But it'll help. Um, bring your children to Youth Bible Club. Starting at age five, right, Garrett? Age five? Bring them. They love, the kids love that time. We, we have student events. We have men's and ladies' meetings. We take missions trips. We have a missions fair once a year. Guys, that is an awesome time to get involved. We have weekly evangelism, the Be Warmed and Filled ministry. We have choirs, as you know, men's choir, women's choir, church choir. We, we can teach you how to do it. Get involved with that. You want to be an usher? It's actually a great way to help the church. See Francois about that. So this is just a handful of ideas on how you can get involved. And then lastly, let me give you one last thought. When should you not join? Now, beyond the obvious, if you don't agree with what we're doing, right, or if you're involved in some ongoing habitual sin and have no intention of stopping, don't join, right? Because then, then we'd find that out and have to put you out, so don't join. But if you're going to be moving soon, don't join. Now, I, I know that sounds like a small thing, but in a, in a university town where a lot of students are coming in and out, if you know I'm going to move to another town next year, I'm not against you joining, but you're probably going to go to that next city and join there. So just wait and join that next church, right? 
again, I'm not against it. You can sign up and that's fine. We'll transfer that membership to wherever you go next. But outside of that, there's really no reason why you shouldn't. Right? If you are happy with the idea of submitting to the leadership of the church, the direction we're going, what we believe, there's not one verse in the Bible that says you shouldn't. So that's something to pray about. If you have any questions, you come and find me. I'm going to leave these registration forms on the table. You're happy to pick one up, fill that out. If you're already a member, you don't have to do anything, okay? You're, you're fine as you are. But any questions, you let us know, and we'll do our best to sort that out. All right, Father, thank you for allowing us to cover these things. And Lord, it's, it's a membership class, uh, not meant to teach the deep and dark truths of the Bible, just meant to communicate our plans for this church. And I pray that, uh, Lord, any questions that the people might have stirring in their hearts, maybe decisions they need to make, that you would guide them. Uh, show them what they need to do personally, uh, maybe as a family. And I pray you bless our service to come and now our time of fellowship. In Jesus' name, amen.